BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Welcome to the Blonde Files podcast. I'm your host, Ariel Laurie, and I'm here to talk all things wellness. From how to achieve optimal health and well-being to the best beauty tips and everything in between, no topic is off limits. I know there's so much information out there, so I'm bringing on expert guests and sharing my own experiences to help you sift through all the wellness stuff without the BS. Enjoy the show. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the show. Welcome to an amazing episode, if I do say so myself. I just listened back to this to make notes for my producer, and I was like, wow, we got into so much in this episode, I am talking to Angelo Keeley. He's the founder of Keon. So I think first I'll tell you about Angelo and then I will tell you about Keon. So Angelo has a really interesting backstory. So he was raised in a natural health and fitness focused family in Austin, Texas. His parents were in the supplement and health food business. And when he was 16, he had a bad LSD trip and he was stabbed and nearly beaten to death. And that changed the trajectory of his life. And we talk a lot about that incident and kind of what happened after. He also had another traumatic experience when he was involved in a bus accident in the Himalayas. We talk about that too. I talk about my trauma. We talk about healing modalities that he used, including nutrition, therapy, functional fitness, yoga, meditation, supplementation, all of these things that he's really passionate about and been involved in for over 20 years now. And we talk about how all of these experiences kind of led him to where he is today, which is, like I said, the founder of Kion. So Kion makes premium, clean, heavily research-backed supplements and foods They focus a lot on essential amino acids, and I've never done an episode around amino acids until today, and it was so fascinating. So they were one of the most important supplements that Angelo's mom gave to him as a small child, and he talks about how even as a young kid, like he felt the impact of taking these amino acids instantly, and so he shares so much with us in this episode from exactly what are essential amino acids, why they are so important and why supplementing with them is important, even if you do eat a diet that's rich in protein. He talks about how Keon aminos can help you to lose fat, get 
toned, feel great. Keon aminos are basically three times as effective as protein because essential amino acids are the active components of protein that stimulate new muscle and they are immediately bioavailable. So we talk about that, how essential amino acids help to increase your metabolism, how you can build lean muscle, which also increases your metabolism. We talk about their benefits for skin and for collagen. Of course, that was something that I was interested in hearing. We talk about how much protein we should all be getting and what happens if you aren't getting enough amino acids and protein and just how they work in your body. So it's really, really interesting. And I have to say that since we recorded, I've been taking the Keon aminos and I also feel it almost instantly, like just so much more energy, but it's not like a crazy energy. I just feel energized and clear and I can't wait to keep taking them. And they also have plant-based aminos. So if you are vegan, you can take those. They have a sleep product that I'm really excited to try. They also have really clean protein bars. So definitely go check all of those out. Oh, I also love the protein powder. I forgot to mention that was the first product from Keon that I had ever tried. And then after speaking to Angelo and recording this episode, I was like, I need to get these ASAP. And yeah, like I said, amazing difference. You guys are going to absolutely love them, especially once you hear all of the science. So you guys can go to getkeon.com slash blonde and you can get 20% off on monthly deliveries and you can get 10% off on a one-time purchase. So again, that is www.getkeon, get K-I-O-N.com slash blonde. It's also in the show notes. So if you just scroll down, you can tap it easily and you'll get 20% off on monthly deliveries and 10% off on one-time purchases. So with that, please enjoy Angelo Keeley. Welcome, Angelo. Thanks for having me, Ariel. <laughs> I'm laughing because you, you said you would come up to the mic and you are a man of your word. You just... <laughs> I stuck to it. Yeah. Yes. I'm really excited to talk to you. For the listeners, Angelo and I got a chance to talk a few weeks ago a little bit prior to the interview, and we share kind of similar pasts in some ways, and I thought it would be really interesting to talk about that a little bit. You have a really interesting backstory, like your childhood and some of the things that you went through, and I think it's relevant really to what you're doing today. So why don't we just start by you telling people a little bit about that? Absolutely. Yeah, I definitely noticed in, in hearing your story and just starting to connect like the similarities and, and how that could probably help with creating even more connection and a more interesting conversation today. So I was born to pretty hippie parents. I think it's the simplest way of saying it. They were in the natural food and the health food business. And like I was born at home. I didn't have a birth certificate till I was till I went to first grade. Uh, never, you know, didn't get vaccinated, but like back in the day, like hippie style reason mm -hmm. why. <laughs> um, and yeah, just was, was raised on like supplements and natural foods. And my parents were really, really thoughtful and pretty much, I don't know if obsessed is the right word, but like that, that's what we were focused on in terms of trying to live the good life. It was really about what we put in our bodies and, and about fitness and exercise, et cetera. So from the earliest age, I, I was exposed to things like amino acids, which we'll get in today. It's mm -hmm. actually one of the first supplements I remember my mom giving to me. And I remember her like telling me like, Angie, can you, know, can you feel it? And, uh, and I could, you know, and I think it's one of those things. What where did you I, feel? 
I felt energy, maybe is the simplest way mm-hmm. of saying it. But I think it's not like an energy, like a caffeine energy. It's like a clarity. It's like a mental focus. It's a, um, a more refined, you know, kind of clean, soothing energy versus like a high mm-hmm. burning, you know, stimulant type vibe. And yeah, so I think I, I was just kind of raised in that environment. My parents were entrepreneurs. They got out of that business, but I was raised very much within a culture of like health, fitness, business. And when I was in middle school, but then really in high school, coming from a family where I think it was very mm, natural to be bold and to do everything your own way and to not really learn your lesson through anyone else's lessons, unfortunately, I started to experiment with drugs. I started to party a lot. I started to be, I was always highly motivated by social environments, but I just started to get into a lot of trouble. And when I was 16, it wasn't my first time, but I took way too much LSD and I had a psychotic break. And I got into a situation where I provoked a fight with people who were, I've never been in a fight otherwise. So I provoked a fight with people who were much more hardcore and serious than I was about that, that kind of thing. And unintentionally, I was, I was looking for help and they beat me really badly. They stabbed me twice in the back and they stabbed me in the knee. So my patella tendon was severed. I have you know, huge scars in my back. They had to do emergency abdominal surgery in my, all down my, my abdomen and I was unconscious for days and in a hospital. And coming out of that, I, I like to call it kind of the moment where I claimed my health. You know, it was definitely, it was definitely a rock bottom. Mm-hmm. And from that point forward, it wasn't just like what my parents had told me about what was healthy or what I should believe or what I should do. I was like, whoa, you know, I'm 16. And I, like, I could have just died. And I was still very emotionally traumatized from it. And so through engaging in psychotherapy and acupuncture and I got really into yoga and running and cold therapy and heat therapy and nutrition and like anything I could find. And luckily I was in an environment like Austin, Texas. That's where I was born and raised. And so it just, yeah, it really, you know, I claimed my life at that moment and it wasn't a pure smooth path. (laughs) After that, I went Mm -hmm. through a lot of bumps, but I, I really claimed my life. And I think that pursuing whatever I was pursuing that got me into that deep hole and going through that trauma and overcoming it and trying to incorporate into who I am as a person going forward is a lot about who I am today and mm-hmm. why I chose to be in health and you know why I'm doing what I'm doing. And yeah, I mean, I have other stories that brought me along to mm-hmm. where I am now, but I think, I think that's part of the connection that we connected yeah, on. Absolutely. I can relate to that so much. You know, I talk about it all the time here on the podcast, but I always thought that my drug addiction, my alcoholism, the traumas that I endured throughout that period of time were the worst things that could happen to me, could happen to a person. I really had this victim mentality about it for a long time until I got sober. And then I realized, no, this is my greatest asset, you know, like it really, or the addiction, and then the subsequent recovery. That's my greatest asset. You know, I'm so grateful for all of that. But I'm curious if you feel like your experimentation was at all kind of a rebellion against the lifestyle that your family was trying to instill in you. I really, I hear like the essence of your question being, how did my upbringing and my family and that environment and who my parents were impact the decisions I made later in my life. I think Mm -hmm. it's definitely tied together. Mm -hmm. I think that it's probably not that clear cut. Like there's more variables involved. Mm -hmm. And I think the ones that seem more likely (laughs) to me to have a really big impact, it's complicated. I think my parents 
gave me a very loving and safe environment in many ways. I think that they they allowed me to feel safe to be different and be unique because they were different and unique, right? Your family sounds a bit more like mainstream than mm-hmm. mine. Like mine was a bit more we were like- very mainstream. Yeah, Golden my, Retriever, White Picket Fence, Volvos. <laughs> yeah, we were like, you know, entrepreneur health nut people in yeah. the 80s. So it was like, they were more French and more yeah, alternative. Yeah. Uh-huh. And with that, but they raised me in an environment that was more traditional mainstream, like where I went to school, like the, the school district where I went, mm-hmm. the schools I went to, the kids I was I was with were probably more like your family in that way. Mm-hmm. And yet they helped me to feel really safe in who I was and that like I could express myself, be myself. That said, they were of a more entrepreneurial type where they're, I, I don't want to like psychoanalyze my parents, but they're uh, more on the self-absorbed side right? (laughs) Like doing their own thing, exploring their dreams and their visions and trying to make all this stuff happen Uh than like super focused on me, you know? So Mm -hmm. I think from a very early age, I had to just figure out things for myself. You had a wide net. (laughs) Yeah. I had a very wide net and it was kind of like, make you know, figure it out for yourself, make it yourself. You, you better, and even like at the dinner table, like you had to be able to like defend your arguments and think for yourself. Like it was very little, coddling or protecting in that way. And so Mm -hmm. I think that environment set it to where I was just like, I constantly felt like I was responsible for myself. I had to figure out my own thing, et cetera. But, but I was programmed with like a very more manic entrepreneurial spirit. I'm not like the like safe eldest child kind Mm -hmm. of doing what's right thing. I'm like, Mm -hmm. all right, I'll figure out by myself. So I think, yeah, that took me to trying experiences, taking drugs, experiment, experimenting, doing things that maybe could have been different. And if I relate this now, because I was telling you before we started, I find myself being more focused and able to do things in a more coordinated, organized way than I did years before, I think largely because I have children. And I think in raising my children, what I hope to do with them is to show them their failures sooner and help them be comfortable with those failures earlier so that they can take more like iterative steps to learning big life lessons versus like mega doses of LSD and getting stabbed. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's like, how can we, you know, like uh, explore the, you know, the the limits of our existence in maybe like smaller steps, you know, and not Mm -hmm. like, uh, yeah, these explosive things. And I think my parents, I don't think my parents necessarily helped me do that. And I, Mm -hmm. uh, but I love them and Mm -hmm. they did, they did the best they could. And so that'd be more my take on it. Yeah. Okay. How did they react to that experience that you had? I mean, how did you respond and how did they respond? I was just very scared. I think, Mm -hmm. you know, you know, I think adults, you know, I mean, there's like this whole thing now with like 40 year olds going on plant medicine journeys and like, Mm -hmm. you know, conquer ego deaths, blah, 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 whatever that whole thing is. Like I was just a kid, you know, I was a kid. And so I think what I went through and what I saw was, it was terrible. It was terrifying. It was so frightening and so terrifying. I'm getting goosebumps yeah. now that I was I was just in that state. I think my parents probably similarly were like pretty scared and I think didn't know what to do and uh, tried to step in in ways to create more structure for me. But it's interesting, about seven, eight months after that, I moved out and I emancipated myself. Mm-hmm. So I, <laughs> mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, I'm just going to figure this out on my own mm-hmm. kind of thing. And so I think it was, it was probably fraught with fear, confusion, mm-hmm. people like trying to figure out what to do. How can we create structure and control in this? And, um, mm-hmm. and I was like, yo, I got it. Mm-hmm. What was the and most I figured helpful? it out. Yeah. I was <laughs> going to say, what is, what was the most helpful thing? I'm sure you tried 
a lot of modalities. You mentioned therapy mm -hmm. and different, well, hot and cold therapy, mm -hmm. psychotherapy. What were some of the most beneficial things for you in recovering from that experience? And then did you use those down the line? Because I know you experienced another major trauma with the bus accident, right? Yeah. I don't know how long after that was. Five years later. Like, yeah. So were, were you better prepared to handle and process trauma, do you feel at that point? Or yeah, I think always... I was definitely better. Okay. There's an interesting kind of intuitive response I had that I'll, I'll share in a second. Mm -hmm. In terms of what modality supported me most, I don't know that there's one. I think it, it's, it's, it's the collection of different modalities that together support a person and being healthy and happy. Mm -hmm. And one really big one is I think just relationship. I had a a girlfriend at that time who's still a close friend of mine and actually my wife's now who through, I think, being in relationship with someone and like having to be accountable and like my mind being kind of crazy and feeling scared, but like try, having to show up for other people and figure out what I feel and communicate and listen and have empathy uh, is very grounding. It's kind of oftentimes frustrating in life trying to compromise with all these other people and <laughs> be in a relationship, but in a way it grounds a person. So I think that grounded me. I think that definitely talk therapy helped a lot. Uh, I don't, you know, I don't know all the science behind why it works, but it's something I've continued to invest in. I've done a lot of talk therapy in my life. I think that having sensations and feelings and dreams, like all these things that don't really make sense in kind of straightforward language, trying to use my mind to talk about them in some normal way, like tell you what I'm feeling, what I'm thinking, what this weird dream was, uh, makes it feel more normalized and can be really calming for me. So I think mm -hmm. that helped a lot. Uh, I think that exercise was a huge thing. I started like running hardcore mm -hmm. <laughs> and, uh, and doing yoga and lifting weights. And that, you know, really helped me be in my body. And I think nutrition, you know, I, I got much more interested and focused on you know, eating whole food. I mean, I was raised eating whole foods, but it was like, you know, really looking at, am I getting enough protein? Am I getting enough vegetables and fruits? Am I getting enough? I don't think I was thinking whole grains at that time, but you know, mm -hmm. just like healthy, real foods. Mm -hmm. And uh, it really is those basics, like good relationship, good exercise, good food, you know? And I think acupuncture helped a lot. My nervous system was tweaked and- I just came from acupuncture. <laughs> I'm it's pretty, very calm right now, everybody. <laughs> yeah. It's pretty, uh, acupuncture is really powerful. Yeah. I think that really helped me. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. Can you talk about that, the bus incident? Yeah. So the bus, the bus accident. So I guess that turning point in my life, I became like a, a seeker in a new way. Mm -hmm. And I became very interested in world cultures and like spiritual traditions, et cetera. And so I got really into yoga and I went to India for a summer when I was 21. I volunteered in an orphanage for like a month. And then I went to the North through this advanced yoga training at this ashram. And when I was there, I met this guy. He invited me to go to visit him in his village. He was a really sweet, cool dude. He kind of became like my, my buddy there. And on the bus trip there in the foothills of the Himalayas, my bus and another bus collided. And the other bus, uh, basically, it's like one of those terrible moments when two buses are going around a corner at the mm -hmm. same time. And the other bus fell off a cliff. And it fell hundreds of meters and there's no emergency services there. There's no, I mean, there are emergency services there, but it's not like mm -hmm. here. Uh, right. Maybe even a remote place in America, right? And so as one of the few able-bodied people, I went down 
And so I spent basically that whole day trying to rescue the people. 26 people died, five survived. Just trying to spend, I believe those are the numbers, the final numbers of who survived. I'd love to go back now and know, you know, like mm-hmm. where are those? I would love to know where those people are. Yeah. And hopefully they're thriving. But they, yeah, I spent the day trying to rescue people, bring, you know, climb down, bring people up from this cliff. And when I was done after the whole day, uh, I hitchhiked back to the ashram and I like I went and I, and I lay down on my bed and I just started shaking. And when I was shaking, I was like, am I like making this up? You know, am I mm-hmm. like, what, why am I shaking? Like, do I just mm-hmm. feel uncomfortable, et cetera. And then, you know, years later, I learned when I actually worked in the behavioral health and treatment industry that uh, natural trauma response in animals is to shake yes. afterwards. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, wow. So clearly I didn't, it's not like I learned through all those practices before that I knew I should shake mm-hmm. after this trauma experience, but clearly I was in enough touch with myself and had done enough personal work or you know, whatever. Like I, I had a relationship with my body at that mm-hmm. point to where I did the natural thing that yeah. an animal should do wow. when they go through a trauma response to help release that trauma and to not incorporate it as much, you know, mm-hmm. into their future. I don't, I didn't full, I don't think I fully did that because I think it did. <laughs> yeah. It was pretty traumatic. And I had like yeah. a few years of kind of sorting through that. And uh, the way I talk about it now is I think it's interesting that moment I kind of stopped my big personal self-improvement journey for a few years. And I began like a success journey. Mm-hmm. I was like, I want to be good at business and good at all these things. And I think it was because I probably was like hurting and mm-hmm. harmed and traumatized yeah. by that experience. And yeah. my new, my new thing was like, oh, well, I'm just going to like deflect. I deflect. <laughs> deflect. Yeah. I don't want to do any more therapy stuff. I don't want to do any more of this yeah. stuff. I don't, don't want to like try to be like healthy and sane. I want to just like yeah. maybe try to win in the world now. Mm-hmm. So I think that's understandable. I'm sorry that you went through that. I had a big trauma years prior to getting sober. I found my friend murdered and I had zero coping mechanisms to deal with that. And it just drove me further into my addiction. But I remember thinking like, how do first responders live their lives? Like, how can you deal with that kind of thing day in, day out. I mean, it takes a really special kind of person. So if anybody's listening, who's like in a first responder, medical profession, whatever it is, like my hat's off to you because I mean, that changed the trajectory of my life. And for me, like I said, it just drove me deeper into my addiction. For you, it sounds like it kind of, you distracted yourself in another way, but it is amazing like that your body had the innate instinct to shake it off like an animal does. So that's that's pretty incredible. And, you know, that experience that you went through prior to that was probably a gift in some ways, because like you said, you had, you were in touch with yourself enough to like be able to process that in probably a more healthy way than you would have before, I would imagine. Yeah. So. First of all, I am so sorry Thank that you. you experienced that. That is so sad. Thank you. Yeah. That really hit me. No, I'm so sorry. Thank you. Yeah. God, that really hit me. <laughs> so, that's so hard. I can't even imagine that. It's crazy that, um, you know, I'll say like the way that our bodies hold on to trauma, mm-hmm. like it happened in 2011. I got sober in 2014. I had to go testify against the guy when I was about 90 days sober when I was in rehab. It just so happened that like I had to fly out there. It was crazy because I got subpoenaed so many times prior to getting sober where mm-hmm. I never would have 
been sober enough to get on a plane, let alone go testify against somebody. And then it just so happened that when I was finally in treatment, it was going to trial. But I remember leaving there and feeling closure, which I think was a little naive on my part uh-huh. because I felt like, okay, like he's in jail. Well, and maybe I, it was some amount of closure. I think it was yeah. a little bit for mm-hmm. sure. But years later, it started kind of manifesting physically, I think. And I went to therapy and I did trauma therapy and brain spotting. And mm. I remember like sitting there with my therapist the first time that we were doing the brain spotting where I was talking about it and she was walking me through, you know, walking in the apartment and opening the bedroom door and seeing it and describing everything. And like, I still get activated when I talk about it now, but not as much as I was then. And I would follow this pointer with my eyes and it, she held me in one spot and it was like my whole body went numb. Mm. I was drenched in sweat, like just crazy. And she held me there and she just let it move through me. And then I started shaking, same thing. Mm. And we would do that over and over and over and over again. And it's like squeezing a lemon. That's kind of the analogy that they make where, you know, finally you got to a point where I could talk to her and walk her through it and maybe get like to a two, but not like off the charts like I was before. So you had like finally metabolized it. Yes. Digested it, whatever the right. But I will say like sometimes, sometimes I can deal with it better than other times. Sometimes I think about it or talk about it and it's like, I'm back there, you know, like I think, I don't know. I don't think that it ever goes away. I think we just kind of learn how to rearrange it in our brains a little bit. So. Which relating to your question which I don't think I answered because I was Mm -hmm. so reacting to Mm -hmm. what you shared is like, was it a gift? It's hard to see those things as a gift. Yeah. Uh, When you, if you have to work so much to, if it's first time, something so sad and traumatic in the first place, then you have to do all this work to try to even just be, be okay with your Mm -hmm. life. If you remember it or think about it. And yet it does connect you to some like essence of yourself and a deeper part of yourself and puts everything else in perspective mm-hmm. that like it, it is somehow a gift in some weird paradoxical way. I remember I, I remember thinking when I got stabbed and that whole experience, it was like, if life is an absolute value scale, we're typically only seeking like all these good things. Like, you know, I just want to get better, better, better. Mm-hmm. But actually when you have this severely traumatic experience, it broadens up like your whole lens. And then how much more the good seems good it really, you're like, wow. Mm-hmm. And you don't take it for granted as much, yeah. which I think, yeah, someone could have all this good and just be taking it for granted. And so you don't, you don't even know how beautiful it is. Yeah. Yeah. And I think we all have periods where everything is really good and we probably do take it for granted. And then it's punctuated, you know, mm-hmm. with things kind of falling apart or you have a diagnosis or you go through a breakup or whatever it is, which when you're going through it is absolutely terrible but then usually in hindsight you can look at something and see how you know I got you to the next phase and you maybe do develop more of an appreciation for that good I mean yeah you could it's like so cliche but what's that saying like you can't enjoy the sweet without the sour Mm -hmm. (laughs) something like that yeah so okay so you got really into or more into health and nutrition and mm-hmm. exercise and then into business. And then how did you get to where you are today with Keon? I feel like I always want to have some answer where it's like, 
I envisioned it in this perfect way. (laughs) (laughs) But I think more like life and maybe even a segue from what you just said, like one thing happens to you and then it opens up a new path and then another door and then you just kind of keep going through them. You know, I think after that whole experience, my little business trip took me to where it's like, I want to be, I want to do international business. So I moved overseas. I lived in France for a few years and I developed a career there. And then through that, because I'd been in India and I was doing work with Apple, they had work in India. So I, I moved to India and I had, and I worked there and I was just like really pursuing all of that. And yet it was kind of bringing me back to India and it was bringing me back to yoga and to health and like these things I really cared about. And the, all while I had a wonderful fiance who really was like ready to get married and have babies. <laughs> and I basically had a breakthrough actually like on a, on a meditation retreat that was just like, yo, I need to focus on Carrie, who's now my wife, and make that the, make that the number one thing. And then everything else will fall into place. So I literally... Went on this retreat, that became clear. I quit my job. I moved from Bangalore to Boulder, which is where <laughs> she wanted to be. We moved, <laughs> just straight up moved to Boulder and immediately got married and immediately started having kids. And, uh, you know, I found myself in a career where I was working actually in, I was, I was running a behavioral health company, which worked with people who, young adults who had, were, were kind of like who I was mm-hmm. <laughs> when I was 16, 17, 18. And it was an awesome experience. It allowed me to really integrate a lot of the stuff I cared about. They had integrative psychiatry and uh, therapy and like all, all and nutrition and all the stuff. And after a few years of that, it, it became clear like I wanted to do something different. I wanted to do something new. And I don't know how to describe it other than it's weird. I don't even think I realized at the moment, like I came back so hardcore to my roots, like literally to the supplement my mom <laughs> would give me when I was three. Full you know? circle. Yeah, like full circle. <laughs> You know, it just became clear that like starting the supplement company, which is what I do now, co-founder and CEO of, of Keon, the supplement company. And it just became clear, like this is the path, this is the step. And I'm passionate about it. I love it. It's an opportunity to, it's like kind of my time too, to like build something really that I can be really in alignment with. You know, I think in all the other things I've been part of, I've been like kind of in alignment with. And this one, it's like, I can do it the right way. I can build it where it's like the right culture, the right people, the right products, the right marketing, like, and and nothing's perfect in terms of right, but what I think is right, what Mm -hmm. I think is good, like doing my best without compromise. And that was in 2017. And I've just been cracking at it since then. So, and I feel more proud than ever and more excited than ever. And it has become that it's, you know, I, I just feel like we make products that I could not be more proud of. I could, you know, it's like, there's not, I wouldn't, always ways to improve them and to make changes and modify these things. But it's like, I am making the, we are making the best products we can make. Mm-hmm. We are doing, I think the, like the best branding, marketing, design work we can do, the whole creative element of it. We have the best culture. We treat people the best we can. We have super high touch customer service. It's just like awesome. I love it. So mm-hmm. that's how I got to where I am. <laughs> okay. So let's get into like the nitty gritty with all of this. Uh-huh. Where should we start with protein? I think, you know, I think a good question is what are amino acids? Okay. And then we say, what are amino acids? Then immediately it becomes what it, you know, it relates to protein. Okay. So amino acids are the building blocks of protein. Mm -hmm. To put that in context, most people are familiar with protein, either like from their science class, you know, Mm -hmm. like proteins (laughs) in in nature, et cetera, or Uh like the macronutrient. So let's just think about it as the macronutrient. You've got carbohydrates, you've got fat, you've got protein, you actually have alcohol too, which does not 
squarely fit into the other three <laughs> categories. And the primary role of sugar and fats is to basically burn them as energy. You consume sugar and fats to turn into fuel to burn. That's not the primary role of protein. And the reason for that is because of what protein inherently is and, and how it functions. So our bodies are over 50% water, right? It's, I think, 58% for women, like 60% for men. Of the part that's not water, that's solid mass, over 50% is proteins. And proteins are this core building block of our bodies that make up our vital organs, so our heart, our kidneys, our liver, et cetera, that make up our skin, our muscles naturally. But there even are things like when we talk about enzymes, those are proteins, the neurotransmitters in our brain that are our emotions to some degree, dopamine, serotonin, et cetera, those are proteins or the derivatives of proteins, they're amino acids. So they're like everywhere in our body. And the reason, primary reason why we thus need to eat proteins outside of our body to help with the proteins in our body is because the way that proteins work is that they're in a constant state of breaking down and then resynthesizing. And what happens is the current proteins in our body and all these different you know, organs I just described, they break down. You dispose of the composite amino acid. So every single protein is just made up of a bunch of a, a series of amino acids that are linked together. They're like the little bricks that make up the protein. And, and how many amino acids are there? There are like 300 in okay. nature, but there's 20 primary amino acids that actually go into building like the proteins in our body. Okay. There's more than that. Like there's things like creatine is actually an amino acid, mm -hmm. but it's not a dietary amino acid. So Got when it. we think about what's our muscle made out of, it's made out of these 20 amino acids. Okay. So all these proteins in our body, uh, our organs, et cetera, they're in a constant state of breaking down and then resynthesizing. And when they break down, they dispose of the amino acids that can't be reused. They've been used too many times before. There's not a use for them, et cetera. And you must get new amino acids to help rebuild those proteins because you like have to have a heart. <laughs> you mm -hmm. have to have a liver. You have to have kidneys, et cetera. So the primary role of proteins that we eat is we eat the proteins. They get broken down in our digestive system into the, those 20 amino acids. And then those 20 amino acids go into our blood and they get reutilized to rebuild the proteins throughout our body that are all the different things that I described. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of the big overview of amino acids. Now, if you have too many, you know, too much protein at once that your body can't utilize it to build a muscle, it will convert it to sugar mm -hmm. and it'll be used just like carbs get used. Mm -hmm. Not just like carbs, but I don't want to oversimplify too mm -hmm. much. I'm trying to give the general picture though. But the primary role is not to be burned as energy. It's to help rebuild all these proteins in your mm -hmm. body. So. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah. Should I keep going? Yeah. Okay. So you asked like, what are the 20, you know, what are the amino acids? There's 20. So in those, there's, there's two groups of them though. There's more than this, but the two main groups are essential amino acids and non-essential amino acids. And the fundamental difference between those is that the essential amino acids are ones that your body cannot make. The non-essential amino acids, your body can make them from the other nine. You're, you're, you, they can actually like synthesize them out of the other amino acids. They mm -hmm. can break them down and, and make the other ones. Mm -hmm. The other primary role of those nine essential amino acids is that they are fundamentally the active component of protein meaning that they're the part of the protein. You eat the protein, it breaks, down into the, it breaks down into the amino acids. The nine essential ones basically say, hey, let's synthesize new proteins. 
and they lead that process. They're the chemical messengers in a way that, that actually build all the new proteins. They utilize some of the non-essential amino acids, but not all of them. And the ones that don't get used, get they basically get converted into urea, you pee them out, and mm-hmm. into sugars that you utilize as energy. So essential amino acids are super important, <laughs> in many ways more important than these non-essential amino acids because your body can't make them, so you have to eat enough every day. And they're the thing that actually contribute the most to the pro- the new protein synthesis in your body. Mm-hmm. What is the sweet spot? Because I know that there are a lot of different opinions on how much should you eat a gram of protein per pound. Mm-hmm. We can get into different protein sources as well for vegans and vegetarians and, and non-vegans and all of that. But is there a sweet spot that that you recommend to people? Obviously, it varies depending, I would assume, on so many different factors, gender, height, weight, lifestyle, all of that. Yes. So it really depends. I think it depends on all of those things and it depends on what your goals are. So I think uh, one thing that I am not or don't endorse is a super overly simplistic answer to what people should do. Mm -hmm. That said, there are some pretty clear guidelines that are based on research and science over like, and it's not new. It's like, 50 years of studying this stuff. Mm-hmm. So at the most fundamental level, if you look at the recommended daily allowance of 0.4 grams of protein per pound of body weight, that is the minimum. It's really not a recommend. It's not like a recommended. It's mm-hmm. really like a minimum daily allowance. I think that's a more fair way of describing it based off what the science says in order to maintain function of your organs, for mm-hmm. example. And what happens if somebody doesn't meet that I mean, there are all kinds of diets mm-hmm. that we see now. Yeah. I mean, there are people who just eat raw food and fruits. And I mm-hmm. remember back when I was like just starting on Instagram, there was a woman who was famous for only eating bananas. I mean, like what happens to your body and to your organs and to your tissue and everything if you're not meeting like the bare minimum requirement of protein intake? Every human body is different. And when they studied like the Northern Ireland protesters who were on a like fasting for their their, their political ambitions, mm-hmm. they uh, they found that when people were actually starting to die, it was because of deprivation of the amino acids, of the protein. So mm-hmm. you actually will start to have organ failure and you'll die mm-hmm. if you don't get enough. Okay. Uh, because <laughs> you just think about it like, but I'm saying that's an extreme. Yes. Not, that's not going to happen. Yeah, if like you, if you don't yeah. get your point for. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, like if you don't eat them, like you, you, you will run out of amino acids right. to rebuild the proteins in your body. Mm-hmm. That said... There's adaptations. People can, you know, survive in different situations for different extended amount of times. I mean, mm-hmm. there, there's so much vari- there's so much variation. Right. The more interesting thing, maybe for your listeners, is that the primary role of muscle is not only to help you move things, right? Or maybe you one could argue whether it's the primary, or the secondary role. One of the main roles of muscles to help you move, mm-hmm. to help you move objects, to help you move yourself, et cetera. It literally is what supplies you with power to do things, the strength to do things. That said, it's also the reservoir of amino acids for all your other organs because our body is okay with sacrificing our biceps to ensure that our heart keeps beating. Hmm. So if you deprive yourself of protein, you deprive yourself of amino acids to a degree where you're not getting enough to meet your core needs for organ function, for neurotransmitters, et cetera, your body will start breaking down your muscle tissue to convert it into the into the component amino acids, put that into the blood, and then serve 
the other parts of your body to utilize those amino acids. Mm-hmm. So interesting. Yeah. So in a more short term, less, maybe you're hyperbolic, you're going to die. Mm-hmm. Thing, like <laughs> you will lose muscle mass. Right. So if you uh, deprive yourself of protein, you will ultimately and deprive yourself of amino acids. You ultimately will lose muscle mass, which mm-hmm. I think not to jump in too many different directions, but I think this is probably one of the biggest risks of yo-yo dieting is that people will deprive themselves of total caloric intake, including protein and amino acid intake. And when they do that, not only do you shed, there is, there's a simple function of like energy in, energy out mm-hmm. and how much you expend. But if you deprive yourself of these calories, you will lose fat. That said, for basically 35, approximately 3,500 calories reduction in caloric intake will make you lose a pound of fat. 750 can make you lose a pound of muscle. And when you deprive yourself of calories and deprive yourself of protein, you will lose both fat and you will lose muscle. And then when you go oftentimes back to the, the less than ideal behaviors that got you into a situation where you were <laughs> overweight, you don't easily put back on the muscle mm-hmm. because you have to eat sufficient protein, amino acids. You ideally need to do some type of physical activity. And so what happens is people over time get less and less lean, have less and less lean muscle and their bodies get softer and softer. And one of the main reasons why that's such a big issue too is that muscle is one of the most important parts of your body to regulate metabolism. And when you have more lean muscle, it gives you a higher metabolism. It helps you maintain activity levels, et cetera. So it's kind of like a key, like if you're trying to stay fit, lean, a key aspect of that is maintaining good lean muscle. Mm-hmm. And so you definitely, you don't want to deprive yourself of too many amino acids. It will go against one's body composition goals mm-hmm. in that way. Mm-hmm. I remember years ago, I don't know how popular it is now, but like supplementing with branch chain amino acids, like BCAs, uh-huh. that was huge. Like mm-hmm. when I started my Instagram account, it was a fitness account. I was trying to get in shape. Everybody mm-hmm. was doing BBG. I don't know if you know what that was. It was like a online, it was called Bikini Body Guide and everybody was taking BCAs. And what is the validity of that? And how is that different from the other amino acids, like the Keon amino acids, for example. They're quite different, mm-hmm. but they are also the same in some ways. Okay. Before I get to that, I want to name something about, I want to, I want to complete your question about how much protein is the right amount. Mm-hmm. So what I would say is someone who wants to maintain uh, an active lifestyle for as long as they can in their life, mm-hmm. and they want to stay trim and lean, but generally toned, one uh, gram of protein per pound of body weight is a great guidance. Okay. That's like an ideal guidance. What I would say is you want to make sure that protein though is, is a complete protein and a high quality protein. Not all protein is, com- is, is equal. And so ideally that would be a protein that, is, that has all nine essential amino acids in relatively robust amounts. Mm-hmm. So for example, if you're on a plant-based diet, many plants may say they have protein in it, but they don't include all the amino acids at sufficient amounts, particularly the essential amino acids. So it doesn't really count as the protein that you think it is, or you need to combine the grams of protein together. So I think the simplest way of, of saying it is one gram of protein that ideally is either, it could be vegetarian, it could be animal eggs, meat, uh, eggs, dairy, et cetera, or equivalent of that combined of different types of plant proteins per day. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that, that's kind of like the high level guidance. Okay. So BCAAs, what are they and mm-hmm. how do they relate to EAs? Well, I would just say that. So for example, 
Keon Aminos, my company, makes essential amino acids. Mm -hmm. It includes all nine of those essential amino acids. Now, the reason why we would make this product and the science that's underpinning this and how it relates to what the comments I just made about the other protein was that when you eat a gram of whole food protein, and when they do studies on this, and it may not be good for everyone, like some people may have a reaction to whey or something, but mm -hmm. whey or egg protein is very high quality protein. Less than half of it is essential amino acids though. Hmm. So one gram of that type of protein compared to one gram of essential amino acids in an ideal formulation like Keon Aminos, the, the, the essential amino acids are twice the impact of muscle protein synthesis. So you can take half the amount to get the same amount, or you can mm -hmm. take the same amount to get twice the impact. Mm -hmm. And it, it, it has a much lower load naturally. Like, you know, like it's, you can have a five gram scoop of this mm -hmm. and you could, it's watermelon, not all natural flavors, but like watermelon flavor. It's light, it's delicious. It helps you hit those higher amino acid requirements. I, like, I wouldn't recommend it to get the recommended minimum daily allowance, mm -hmm. but when you're trying to get to that gram, Let's say you weigh 100 pounds. I know it's, that's very low, but let's say you weigh 100 mm -hmm. pounds um, and you're trying to get 100 grams of protein and it's hard to get that 100 grams of protein. If you took five grams of the Keon essential amino acids, it's, it's worth at least 10 grams equivalent of a protein. So it can help you get to those higher limits in an easier, more sustainable way mm -hmm. as a supplement. Right. That said, it ne you must have all nine. The BCAAs are three of the nine essential amino acids. Oh. And early science... 40 years ago, showed and proved that those three branch chain amino acids, which are three of the nine, have a very big role in protein synthesis. They're basically, I don't know the best metaphor, but they, they, they kickstart the process and they get it going. If you don't have the other six, though, the process does not continue. So many meta-analyses have shown and proven that BCAAs on their own have no impact on muscle protein synthesis. If you combine them with different forms of protein and do kind of all these complicated things, you can get them to have results, but they don't. They're basically a waste of your money mm -hmm. if, if taken on their own. Mm -hmm. uh, you must have all nine. So if you're going to think about supplementing with amino acids to help have more you know, robust health function, mm -hmm. you do not want to waste your time on BCAAs. You mm -hmm. want to make sure you get a complete profile of essential amino acids. Mm -hmm. So you mentioned when we started recording that you felt like a kind of clarity and energy, but mm -hmm. not the stimulant kind of energy. What are some other effects of incorporating the essential amino acids into your diet and supplementing? With yeah, them? well, naturally, as the impact, like basically everything mm -hmm. in your mind, not everything in your body, but it's like, it's your organs, it's your, uh, it's your metabolism, et cetera. I mean, I think the most, the most immediate things that one will notice is an impact on mood and on more sustainable energy. And the reason for that is because it's not, a, again, it's not a stimulant that's going to change your, you know, that's going to like make you feel sped up. But similar to if you have a good hearty, if you were, if you were hungry, and you're kind of cranky and crabby because you haven't eaten in a while. And then you get some type of good, healthy protein and some vegetables in your body. You suddenly like, ah, like you feel better. You can think a little better, assuming you don't overeat. Mm -hmm. That is because part of that is that the proteins are broken down to these essential amino acids. Those essential amino acids then go into your blood and they supply the precursors to your neurotransmitters for your brain. So when you don't eat, it's not just like low blood sugar levels that are making you cranky. You're taxing your body's ability to regulate the production of neurotransmitters that literally create 
and regulate your emotions. Mm -hmm. So I think, you know, a good natural energy, more balanced mood is is a big thing you initially feel. In terms of the long-term effects about like, you know, what else can these essential amino acids do for you? If it depends on what your goals are. If your goals are more body composition focused, it is the most efficient, effective way to consume amino acids, which induce, uh, there's basically diet-induced thermogenesis. It's going to raise your metabolism literally when you take them. So it's going to make you burn more calories. It's going to create, it's going to help you create and maintain more lean muscle and not like big bulky lean muscle, but just Mm -hmm. lean muscle. That's then going to continue to help you to burn calories regardless of whether you're taking them or not. Because simply if you have more muscle, you have a higher resting metabolic rate. So it's, it's kind of a, it's very obvious kind of slam dunk for that. Mm-hmm. If you're looking at athletic performance, when you exercise, the reason why you get tired, not just from, you know, burning calories and the sugars that you have in your body, but also it's because you experience muscular fatigue. Because when you're exercising, you oxidize a lot more amino acids in your blood, and then you break down amino acids in your muscle tissue to help supply that with your blood. When you load up with amino acids before and during exercise, it helps to prevent that muscle breakdown. So many people use essential amino acids to have more energy motivation in their workout and to be able to work out longer and do more. Mm -hmm. On top of that, when you consume amino acids, essential amino acids versus even a whey protein has three times the impact of muscle protein synthesis. You don't have to like know what all these things mean, but it has mm-hmm. three times the fact of in muscle protein synthesis as whey protein before exercise, if you're doing like resistance training mm-hmm. to help build and maintain lean muscle. So it also will help you get more from your workout, give you motivation, energy to get working out, prevent the fatigue that happens when you work out, and it will help you get more results from the workout. Mm-hmm. And last is that when you prevent the muscle breakdown, that's what actually makes you feel sore. People think, oh, you got to like tear the muscle fibers and that's what hurts. And then it means I did something like, well, like you don't have to be in pain to get Mm -hmm. the results from exercise. (laughs) And so when you take amino acids before, during, or after, and and the cover, in the case of recovery, it can be any one of those. It will help prevent the muscle protein breakdown and enhance more muscle building, muscle maintenance in a way. And so you won't get as sore and it'll really improve your recovery times. So mm-hmm. if you're just trying to maintain an active lifestyle, you're trying to get more, you want to get motivation and energy when you exercise, you want to get more from the exercise, and then you want to not feel sore and have shorter recovery times, it's awesome mm-hmm. for that. Mm-hmm. And maybe not as relevant for, um, I'm like, it's starting to get there more for me. I don't know about if you're thinking about this yet, but as we age. Uh-huh. That's what I've been thinking about this whole time. Yeah, well, <laughs> That was going to be my next question. Yeah, this one, this one's pretty interesting. So, and many people don't start to realize this until they hit, I'm 39. So I'm like thinking like, oh my God, I'm about to be 40. And like, this is when it really happens. There's something called sarcopenia. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's, the, it's the loss of muscle mass as you yeah. age. And the reason for that is because as you age, you have a harder time breaking down protein into the amino acids. And you're less sensitive to how those amino acids then stimulate protein synthesis in your body. So you have a harder time basically getting the results out of it. Mm-hmm. You also tend to get less results even from the exercise itself. Mm-hmm. Free-form <laughs> amino acids, for that reason, if you take essential amino acids like Keon aminos, mm-hmm. they can have, as you age, two times, three times, getting older, let's say you're like 75 times the impact wow. of whole food protein and muscle protein synthesis because your body doesn't have to break it down. It immediately enters your gut, immediately enters your blood, and immediately stimulates this muscle protein synthesis. So it helps you overcome 
the effects of aging on your ability to digest protein and to maintain lean muscle. Mm -hmm. And the reason why that's so important is not just like looking good as you age. It's because muscle as you age is like the top indicator for how much you'll be able to maintain activity levels. Right. Stay healthy, stay exercising. It also is very highly correlated to risk of cancer, diabetes, cardiovascular disease, all of these different things. So I really like to encourage people like building and maintaining muscles in your 20s, 30s, and especially your 40s is like a, a re, it's like your human savings bank, yeah, protective. Human savings account. Yeah. Mm-hmm. To ensure that like in your 50s, 60s, 70s, like you're having fun. Right. And you're able to stay vibrant and, and hopefully avoid disease where you can. Mm-hmm. So. I care a lot about skin. Mm-hmm. Does it? I would imagine that it would have an effect on yeah, skin ha, as ha, well. Has a great impact. You have on great skin. skin. Oh, thanks. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it does. You know, and I think an interesting comparison here would be to collagen. I think many uh-huh. many people take collagen. So collagen yeah. is a great example of a supplement that I think is an excellent choice for skin, hair, nails, but it is not a complete protein. So when you consume collagen, do not think that you're hitting that one gram of protein per pound mm-hmm. of body weight, unless you're consuming a lot of other complementary proteins that will help mm-hmm. you get there. And that's I because, feel like so many people put it in their coffee or their matcha or something. Yeah. And they're like, oh, I got my 20 grams yeah, of protein. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Myself it, included. <laughs> it's very low. It's very low in certain uh-huh. amino acids. Interesting. What it's super high in is these non-essential amino acids, mm. hydroxyproline, proline, mm-hmm. glycine, that are the amino acids that are directly used for joints, for collagen in our bodies, mm-hmm. basically. Glycine Air, skin, is good for your gut too, right? Yeah, glycine is uh-huh. really good for your gut. It mm-hmm. can also be good for its cooling. It can be good for sleep, et cetera. Mm-hmm. So collagen can be a great supplement mm-hmm. and it's highly focused on that one use case. That's, that's basically like why you should take it if you're going to take it. On mm-hmm. the other hand, the essential amino acids, if you're consuming a healthy amount of protein and you're supplementing with essential amino acids, your body will actually naturally produce those additional non-essential amino acids to mm-hmm. supply your body with sufficient amounts of them to maintain healthy skin, hair, nails, etc. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Okay, we're running out of time, but something that I did want to ask you about is you also have protein bars. And, and mm-hmm. I know that so many people, myself included, just grab a bar, go, you think, oh, okay, 20 grams of protein. What should people look for? Because I know that like so many of those bars are loaded with you know, not only synthetic ingredients and low quality proteins, um, obviously yours are (laughs) probably the best in the market, but what should people look for when they're looking for like a protein snack on the go or a protein bar or something like that? I think it's, it's really important. Well, I'm just going to, I'm going to share this through the lens of what I think is important. Okay. So what I think is important is eat the best whole foods when I can. Mm -hmm. And if there are good reasons to supplement, supplement. Okay. So when I think about eating a protein bar, I think of it as more like food, mm-hmm. right? And as food, I want to see real ingredients in it. So if you look at the back of the label and you're like, I don't know what the heck that thing is, then it's it's a red flag to me because it means it's some type of highly processed thing, probably that a lot of chemicals were used to produce, et cetera. And I'm like, Quest Ugh. bars. <laughs> I used to, yeah, I used to I mean, microwave I'm, Quest bar. I'll say it. You don't have to okay, say it. I won't it. call it any other bars. Yeah. <laughs> but it's like, you know, if I'm going to eat a bar, it's like I want to eat something that that's as close to real food as possible. And yeah. the ways that they achieve protein, higher protein amounts, and ideally are through something that's as natural as possible. So we use grass-fed whey protein isolate. 
And some people in the past may have had experience with like whey, like uh, of a dairy allergy. When it's an isolate, they remove virtually all of the lactose. Hmm. So, you know, people that I, I'm, I tend to be somewhat dairy intolerant and I can do as much grass fed whey protein isolate, particularly from Keon that, that I want and mm-hmm. I'm fine. Mm-hmm. Gelatin, the grass fed gelatin also, which is collagen. They're basically, they're very similar mm-hmm. type product, which many people don't realize. Collagen is like a hydrolyzed form of this, of gelatin. Mm-hmm. Uh, and And then I think looking for natural sweeteners, you know, I think, again, if it's a food product, honey of all the things you could choose is a great sweetener. That's why we chose to use honey. Uh, You can use, it's natural, it's it's high quality, et cetera. So I think that's really the most important thing. It's like, it's full of like, just be able to read the label. And Mm -hmm. I'm proud. And again, that's, I mean, I'm getting, this is my perspective. This is my frame. I want to be able to look at food products and like know what all those things are and not be like, well, what is that? You know, another interesting thing is with something like a supplement, I think natural flavors and ours, the ones we use are organic suitable, basically. So they're uh, so the highest level of creating a natural flavor. It's It makes sense because like trying to take that supplement, otherwise it's going to like taste mm-hmm. kind of funky. With a food bar, you can like use real things. You can use chocolate. You can use, I don't want to, we're going to come out with new flavors soon. I don't want to, <laughs> I don't want to say too much what they are, but like you can, we actually use real fruits. And by doing that, you get these awesome flavors. And so, yeah, whenever I'm trying to eat food, I try to eat stuff that's like, you know, probably doesn't have flavoring in it. It's just, mm-hmm. it's good stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Amazing. Well, we could keep going, but we're <laughs> out of time. So thank you so much for coming on and sharing all of that with us. Tell everybody where they can find Keon. I think the easiest place is on the web. So getkion.com. That's G-E-T-K-I-O-N.com. And we're on Instagram. K-I-O-N, Keon, so. And we'll link it all in show notes as well. Awesome. So thank you so much for coming and sharing your story and everything. It's thank great you, talking to you. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed that episode. And if you liked it, and if you like the show in general, please take a second to rate, review, and subscribe. It goes a long way, and it's actually the best way to support the show. Also, if you want to see more about each episode, you can head over to the Blonde Files podcast on Instagram. You can go to ariellaurie.com. And I'm always posting about each episode over on my personal page at ariellaurie. Please note that this episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. Individuals on the show may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to in this episode.